our best year yet. Amen. The year of the double. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I hope you're not tired of this subject yet. And I hope that you're getting something out of it. Praise God. I'm just so wonderfully excited to hear the testimonies. Uh, all morning long I've been hearing testimonies about how God is moving in your life. And I just love it. And uh, uh, to, to hear about Miss Kara being filled with the Holy Spirit in her apartment last night. <laughs> and receiving what Justin, and what Justin received today. And, and just different things. God is on the move. And uh, don't miss it. Amen. God has you in mind all the time. The Bible says in Psalms that God has been mindful of us and he will bless us. And he loves you more than you know. Amen. Uh, and uh, but the reason I believe we're uh, emphasizing this is God wants us to have an unshakable. Uh, unbreakable faith in these last days. And to have that is going to require that we, we have revelation, not just head knowledge, but we have a deep understanding about the strength of the Bible, the reliability of the Bible, the supernatural nature of God's Word. Amen? And so this, they tell me, is the sixth lesson in this series that we're calling the Word of God. And we're going to advance some things. So if you've missed any of these teachings, we encourage you to get on our website whcpaducah.com or get up on uh, our podcast and listen to the... It doesn't cost you anything to get those messages. Or if you want a CD, go back to the bookstore and get you one. Amen? And uh, so anyway, Father, we come to you today and we just so thank you for the next 35 minutes or so. Glory to God that you'll give me utterance. I need you, Father, and I yield myself to you the best I know how. And I thank you for the ever-present... Uh, uh, aid and help and guidance of the Holy Ghost in me and on me. And Father God, I thank you that uh, you live and you're on many in this room. And we just so thank you that God, that you're helping us to comprehend, to give us revelation, light, illumination about these things. Thank you, Father God, for speaking to us as we, we brought our family, we dressed up, we brought our tithes and our offerings to honor you. And now, God, we have questions. We've got life going on. We've got problems. We've got things. And Father, I thank you that you, they'll not only hear the words I say, but you'll talk to them about these things while they're sitting here. And they're going to get answers that they need. We just so thank you, Father, for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. And amen. Praise God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 has been sort of our golden text, our hallmark foundational scripture for this series. We'll read it again. Here it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration, and we could say now we've taught you this, by the breath of God, right? By the breath of God. All Scripture came that way and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, and that word means completed or fully mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Amen. Praise God. Let me, let me find this uh, passage. I brought all my notes again and read this to you from a different translation. The message translation says, Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and is useful one way or another. 
Now, see, you know, depending on where you're at, what's going on in your life, the scripture will benefit you in that area, in that way, one way or another. Amen. There's help for all of us in the word. Then it goes on and says in the message translation, it will show us truth. It will expose our rebellion. Amen. You think, well, I don't have any of that. Well, the word will show you (laughs) whether that's true or not. Amen. Correcting our mistakes. Training us to live God's way. Hallelujah. Through the word, I like this, we are put together. There's a lot of broken people out there. I was one of them. Amen. When God found me drunk and suicidal at a frat party. A very broken person. But he gave me, by his grace, a, a desire for the milk of the word. And as I have become a student of the Word, a disciple of the Word, uh, a lover of God's Word, something that I just hold as dear to me as my daily food or water to drink. Amen? That He, and I'm not saying I'm done. He's done with me. Obviously not. You could see that. Praise God. But He has put my life back together. He put my mind back together, my emotions back together, put my body back together, put my, if I damaged myself with, with, uh, you know, there's, I know several occasions. I, I remember at one frat party I had, they were recruiting new freshmen. I, hadn't in, I was enrolled at OU, but I hadn't started my freshman year yet. We, we went down to a lake down in the Dallas, Texas area. And uh, just a couple of us were sharing a, uh, an empty milk gallon carton full of vodka. And, uh, you know, we were, we were having a contest to see how many swallows of that we could take and try to one-up another. And I won that deal. And I'm not proud of that. It's just like taking like 20 shots of that in a row, high-proof alcohol. You should have died because of alcohol poisoning. Amen. And, and God in His mercy on my stupidity and my ignorance who kept me alive. And, and my livers, He put my liver back together, my kidneys back together, you know. And I get emotional, but I'm just telling you, wherever you are in your life, I've seen the Word of God put marriages back together, families back together, businesses back together, finances back together, people who had diseased body given up by the doctor, but they made an all-out effort toward the Word, and the Word put them back together again. Hallelujah. So when the Word says, when Jesus said, He that hears these sayings of mine and does them, is a wise man. I'll count them as a wise person, for they are building their life, their house, symbolic of their life, on the rock. And it says, when the wind came and the rains came, the storms of life beat against that household. It didn't fall because it was built on the rock. The rock of what? The rock of God's word. Amen. You need to get your life, if you need to, off of the shifting sands of worldly thinking. Get your life built upon the eternal truths of God's Word. Because the storms of life are coming to all of us. The storm of sickness is coming to all of us, right? Financial attacks, relational difficulties, things. We're not immune to these things. But what the Word guarantees us is that we won't be overcome by them. We won't be steamrolled by them. That that wily wolf out there, he can huff and he can puff and he can blow, but he can't blow my house down. He can't blow my health down. He can't blow my finances down because I built it on something sure, something solid, something God-ordained, something that cannot fail. 
Hallelujah. Amen. And so in the message, I think they got this scripture right. We are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us through the word of God. Amen. All right. Let me advance up here to where I want to be. Uh, glory to God. I want to talk to you this morning with the time I have left about three things the word of God brings. I'm going to see I'm a poet. I didn't know. It. <laughs> Hallelujah. Three things the word of God brings and there are many more. But we're going to talk for a moment about three vital things that the word of God will bring to your life. Amen. Amen. First, I wanted to give you some quotes about the Word of God from the great Smith Wigglesworth. Listen to what he said. The Bible is the Word of God, supernatural in origin, eternal in duration, inexpressible in voice, infinite in scope, regenerative in, regenerative in power, infallible in authority, universal in interest, personal in application, inspired in totality. Read it through, write it down, pray it in, work it out, then pass it on. <laughs> Truly it is the Word of God. It brings into man the personality of God. You know, one of the things you, I hope that this surprises you, but one of the things that I dealt with uh, in my personality, I had an anger problem. And an anger problem. And I, I, I was the type of person and just in my makeup and my personality that if you ticked me off, if you hurt me, if you did something, you'd never know it. But I'm gonna, I would hide that, that hurt, that thing, what you did in the recesses of my insides. And I would marinate in that. And you add all of that up. And about six months in, I would have this pressure valve release moment. And it didn't matter. I was, you know, very, un it was unfortunate whoever set that off, whether it was the dog or whoever. Because in that moment, all that anger for six months is coming out. And that's, you know, that's a problem. But, you know, over time, as I, again, as you just put the word of God, you remember the Bible says God is love. And that He is slow to anger. That's the personality of God. And the Word is God. And as you just feed into the Word of God, see, that's what Wigglesworth said. It brings into a person the personality of God. See, God is great. You get to keep your, your unique individuality. Just the best part of you. But all the junk and the stuff that's sin and wickedness and darkness and an unrenewed mind warped and twisted uh, your, the, the uniqueness, the pureness of who God intended you to be will all get untangled and unwound and broken off. And the personality of God will get built into your heart. Now, I, I could still get mad. Amen. But I'm a lot slower to get mad. And God's taught me to talk about things and to process things. And when someone hurts my feelings, to try to let them know it. And mend it and get, get over it. And most of the time, I, I just now, I'm just over it. don't even think it's worthy to be brought up. Amen. No, how come I told you that? But that's what he means. The word will bring into you the personality of God. It changes the man. Now I'm talking about male or female, mankind, right? It changes the person until he becomes the letter of God. It transforms his mind, changes his character, takes him from grace to grace, and gives him an inheritance in the Spirit. God comes in, dwells in, walks in, talks through, and sups with him. See, as he feeds on the word, as she feeds 
on the Word. Wigglesworth said this, Believers are strong only as they are strong in the Word. Amen. Or as the Word of God abides in them. One last quote. He says, Know your book. We bought that car out there. You know, I've got car manuals before, but the guy, even the finance guy told me, okay, now listen, they're going to hand you, I know you're a preacher, the Bible of BMW. (laughs) Know your book. Right? Because, you know, you get a a higher end car, almost any of the cars today have a lot of technology in them. Most of the cars we get in today, no matter what level, if you don't read the book, you're going to miss out on features that the car could bless you with, dude, but you don't know how to make that happen. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so how much more talking about the word of God, the life manual that God gave human beings. He says, know your book, live it, believe it, obey it, hide God's word in your heart. It will save your soul, quicken your body, illuminate your mind. The word of God is full and final, infallible, reliable, and up to date. And our attitude towards the word must be one of unquestioned obedience. If a thing is in the Bible, it is so. Now, I'm telling you what a powerful truth that is. So you take Psalm 103, verse 3, that He has, God has, past tense, forgiven all your sins, all your iniquities, and healed all your diseases. That's in the Bible. What did Wigglesworth say? It is so. Oh, but yeah, I know, Pastor, but the doctor said. No, I don't, I don't want to hear what the doctor said. I don't care what the doctor said. I like what Wigglesworth said. Wigglesworth said, if it's in the Bible, it is so. Well, I sure don't feel forgiven. I sure wish I could feel forgiven. Listen, just take the word. He said you're forgiven. It is so, whether you feel like it or not. It is. It is in the Bible that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have been made new in your life. I don't know. That sounds right. But no, listen, it is. It is. All the stuff in there that makes us happy and all the stuff in there that challenges us and challenges the flow of the world's thinking out there. If it's in the Bible, it is so. It is not even to be prayed about. He would say, yeah, I'm going to pray about tithing. Why? I'll pray about serving in the church. Why? I'm going to pray about that whole having a pastor thing. Why? It's in the Word. It's in the book. You don't have to pray about it. (laughs) Hey, we're preaching already, aren't we? Hallelujah. Wigglesworth says, it is to be received and acted upon. Inactivity of faith is a robber which steals blessing. Increase comes by action, by using what we have and what we know. Your life must be one of going from faith to faith. There's three quotes from Wigglesworth about the Word. Amen? Now I'm going to give you those three things that the Word of God's going to bring, but first I want to give you three uh, actions, if you will, three things that you should do with the Word. Number one is meditate. Number two is confess. And number three is act on. Reading the Bible is great. It's wonderful. Amen. But it's not going to get you to a life of victory just reading it. Amen. The Word of God, and this is a whole teaching. Maybe I'll come back to it. I'm just going to give you this. 
If you want to be a spiritual giant, you can be a spiritual giant. One that overcomes the devil and life's problems and obtains and receives God's promises. That's a spiritual giant. One that does the will of God and produces good fruit. Mm -hmm. Here's how you do it. You do those three things as a lifestyle. You don't do them on Sunday morning. You do them as a lifestyle. So you're going to, you're going to, this is, this is what it means. Life as a Christian is as different as light is to darkness as being a non-believer out there in the world. You got to learn, you got to learn a whole new way to live. If you want to be victorious, a lot of defeated Christians out there don't have to be, but you're not them, are you? No, you're not them. So these three things, number one, you got to meditate. What's that mean? Meditate means to ponder. It means to mutter to oneself over and over and over and over and over and over again. Now, you do this anyway. You meditate on things all day long. Office gossip. Right? The, The problems that you're facing. The pressures. What you do. What is worry? Meditating in a fearful direction. That's all that is. So a victorious, a a spiritual giant is going to meditate on the word. Mutter it, talk it to it, think it through. Imagine yourself in that scripture. Imagine yourself forgiven and healed. I'm forgiven and healed. I'm forgiven and healed. I'm forgiven and healed. That means sin can't keep healing from coming because he forgave me and then he healed me. Amen. 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 So the next thing was to, what did I say? Confess. The greatest theologians among us in the past have said that Christianity is the great confession. How do you get saved? You have to confess. But most Christians today still think that confession is only in the negative direction. Confessing your weaknesses, confessing your faults, confessing your unworthiness, confessing your sins. Now we should confess our faults right? One to another that we might be healed. We should confess to God our sins when we commit one to get forgiveness. But there's a positive side to confession. You are to constantly be verbally affirming what the Bible says about you. Constantly talk it. Have the Word of God in your mouth all the time. Amen. I walk in the peace of God. Divine love's on the inside of me. I'm a victorious person. I mean, it just sounds like positive thinking, and it is, but I'm telling you what, it's, it's God's idea. It's God's idea. God told Joshua, if you'll meditate in the Word of God, day and night, don't let my words depart from your mouth. Meditate therein day and night. Then, meaning only then, then you will make your way prosperous, and you shall have or experience good success. So meditating in the Word and confessing the Word are keys, amen, to your living a victorious life. And you can't mix your confession. You can't talk fear and defeat out there and come in here and talk Christianese for a few minutes and it worked for you. You can't just, it's not just talking about what you say on your knees to God. No, your daily talk has to be fitting and in agreement with God's Word if the Word is to have its way in you and with you. Amen. 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 And then the third thing is to act upon the Word. Listen, uh, ink on a page is not going to get you anything. I don't know, I may have 30 Bibles in there and it's not doing me any good (laughs) because it's in there. 
But when we meditate on it, we put it on the inside of us like we talked about last week. And we, we, we build a reservoir of God's truth and God's word in our hearts. Amen. And then we begin to live that word out. We begin to conform our life in daily conduct. Then we are, you do those three things and you are a spiritual giant. It may take a little time, right? That's why the Titanic went down. They saw the iceberg coming, but they just didn't see it fast enough, right? They pulled that thing hard to starboard or whatever, but that's such a big thing. It takes a while to turn something, right? right? And if your life has been like the Titanic, just, just keep the wheel turned over there. Amen. And God will keep you afloat. Praise God. It takes a while to turn some things and to change habits. You've got to stay with it, friend. I didn't get here to where, and I have not arrived, but I didn't get to where I have been I'm 25 years in this thing, developing my faith. Amen. Now, thank you. Praise God. All right. So what are these three things? Amen. So you've got to be a meditator of the word, a confessor of the word, and you've got to act on the word. You could, I believe in tithing. Well, I don't ever see a check from you. See what I mean? The power of tithing is only going to work for you when you do it. You have to do it. The power in prayer is only going to be unleashed in your life when you do it. Not when you go to a seminar about it. Read a book about it. It's when you pray, glory to God, that things happen. All right. Without further ado, number one, three vital things. Now, I looked up the word vital and the word vital means necessary to life. Vital signs, you know, like breathing, and they check those first because they're vital, vital to your life. They're necessary to life. Amen. So these are three vital things that the Word of God will bring into your life, and the first one is knowledge. The first one is knowledge. Now, nine times out of ten, I quote this verse, but I'd like us to actually turn to the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. So if you know where Matthew is, and then you just start flipping back to the left... There's a lot of littler books in there, and uh, you'll find it. I'll find it too, I trust. Okay, it's before Joel, and it looks like it's after Daniel. Amen. Hosea chapter 4. And again, I quote this verse, but I, I want you to let your eyes rest upon this verse. What's the first vital thing necessary to your life as a Christian that the Word's going to bring you? Knowledge. Huge. Wouldn't bother me a bit if I ran out of time just giving you this one point. Knowledge. Amen. But before I get into it, let's look at this verse. Amen. Uh, Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6. Y'all with me today? Amen. All right. Verse number 6. Now, notice it says, you know, this is obviously Hosea was a prophet. He's speaking for God, the breath of God. We have these words recorded. This is what God said. Verse 6. My people. Who? Not the pagan people, not unbelieving people. God says, my people. My people are destroyed. That's a big word. My people are destroyed. Why? For a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you. That you shall be no more to me a priest, seeing you have forgotten the law or the word of thy God. I also will forget thy children. 
Now this is one of those, that's, a, that's not a milky verse, is it? That's kind of a meaty verse. But you need to know this. You need to know it's still true today. God, my people, are, they are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But now notice here, they had knowledge offered them. They had knowledge available to them. They rejected it. So see, this reveals to us there's two kinds of ignorance. There's innocent ignorance, meaning you just don't know. I mean, listen, if you're just born again yesterday, I'm telling you what, I don't care if you've been a Christian all your life, but you come to a church like this, maybe, I don't know. You just don't know. Man, that was me. And in some areas, it's still me. I'm suffering because I just, I don't know. I just didn't know. I think about this dear one. We used to have a testimony service uh, often in our uh, church that we went to growing up. And I'll never forget this lady. I didn't know anything, you know, really that I know about from God's word today. And she was talking about, uh, she was dealing with stage four cancer of some kind. She was about to die and she did die. And But she, was, she got up and she told the whole congregation that she finally understood why God gave her cancer. Now I'm a baby Christian sitting there, but I knew on the inside of me, that bothered me. I have the Holy Spirit who knows everything on the inside of me. And I'm ignorant about Almost everything spiritual. And I knew on the inside of me that I just that's. But she said it so sweetly and so sincerely. And she said, I, I do finally know and realize why God gave me cancer. Because this week uh, in the cancer ward, I led two ladies to the Lord. I led. And isn't that wonderful that she was able to lead two ladies to the Lord. But she died. She died and she died believing as she thought. Believing as she knew, believing as she's been taught. But she died. She didn't die because God gave her cancer. God doesn't give anybody cancer. I wouldn't serve a God that gave anybody cancer. I just wouldn't. You can do what you want. I'm not going to give God. No. And uh, I watched my grand, both my granddaddies die of cancer. And to think, God, No. It'd be one thing if the Bible said it. I guess I just have to accept it. But it doesn't. It doesn't. And only over time did I realize, see, this person, sweet, loves Jesus, was evangelistic. She died because she didn't know that healing belonged to her. She wasn't even trying to get it. She wasn't even trying to aggressively receive it from God. Because she didn't know. She believed God gave it to her. See what I mean? So ignorance is a deadly thing. So there's innocent ignorance, just like her. She 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 just did not know. Y'all ever been there? But then there's willful ignorance. Where people are drawn and God exposes them. To a deeper truth, to a fuller truth. You know, maybe this morning was the very first time you ever saw anyone receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've been taught that that was wrong, passed away, is of the devil. Listen, uh, I wouldn't question your sincerity at all, but I would just ask you, 
you might ought to do some fresh study on the subject and find out just what the flush of all that you've heard preachers say and traditions told you and actually just read what does the Bible teach about it. Don't throw us away because something happens in a service that you didn't understand. Because that is a form of rejecting knowledge. But whether, notice, it doesn't matter if it's, now I would, if I'm going to be ignorant, I want it to be innocent ignorance, not willful ignorance. Right? One is worse than the other. But if, and if I'm going to do that, but the end result is the same. The cost of ignorance, whether it's innocent ignorance or willful ignorance is the same. He said, my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. Now, the word destroyed doesn't, it really it's a poor English translation of the original Hebrew. It doesn't mean annihilated. What it means is cut off. The literal Hebrew meaning of this word translated destroyed means cut off. So he said, my people are cut off. They're cut off through ignorance. So do you see how deadly ignorance can be? What would it cut off from what? Cut off from the promises, cut off from the blessings, cut off from the ability of God to do for you what He could do for you, but He can't do it for you. You've cut yourself off because God works through knowledge. Satan is counting on your continued ignorance to defeat you, to work his plan. And he propagates lies. Like prosperity is worldly and unholy and dangerous. How are we going to build the, buy the TV time and build the crusades and reach the world and show God, show people how good God is living poor and believe in that lie? Wouldn't bother me a bit in the light of all that God's done for me, rescuing me, if God says, listen, you're just going to have to eke out an existence on the earth best you can. If that was in the Word, I would still love Him and serve Him because of all He already forgave me, saved my soul. He's got heaven waiting for me. But I found out in the Word that God's greatest desire, according to 3 John 2, is that you prosper and be in health and enjoy it ongoing. Hallelujah. So you need to be hot and on fire, getting rid, you know, in the pursuit of divine knowledge to... Because I tell you what, when you get knowledge where you were ignorant before, the enemy has lost an advantage over your life. No more taking advantage of me. I know that when sickness shows up in my life, in my body, it's of the enemy. I know it's an enemy. I'm not toying with that. He doesn't have that advantage over me. And so when symptoms come against my body, I immediately fight back with my faith. I immediately resist with my faith. I immediately go to holding to what God said. And I'm not confused about it. But the person who doesn't know, you see how the, advantage, the devil's got the advantage in that. Holding them over a barrel. Actually thinking that this could be the will and plan of God for their life somehow. I'm telling you, ignorance is dangerous. It is dangerous. Amen. So I looked up the word cut off and it means to separate from. Or I like this the best. It means to stop the operation of. So ignorance, God is saying here in this verse, ignorance stops the operation of God in that area that we're ignorant in. 
Now, again, I can tell you story after story about how this, how the way Christians, daily Christians, you know, they, they're just tripped up in their thinking. Like one of my friends years ago, my first two or three years here in Paducah, um, was a, uh, an associate pastor at a Baptist church, denominational church. And listen, I'm saying that as a compliment. I'm not saying the word Baptist to hit him. We were good friends. We, we were at lunch. He was pursuing and just about finished with his, um, what do they call it, the thesis, or whatever, to get your Ph.D. And uh, we were having lunch one afternoon. You've, many of you have heard this story. And uh, he, said, he said, Pastor Chris, you speak in tongues, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do, every day, every day. And he goes, can you show it to me in the Bible? I said, oh, listen, we, are, we have a good thing going here, Jeff. Uh, let's not ruin it. Seriously, let's just not ruin it. We have wonderful fellowship. You don't believe the way I do. I didn't bring it up. He goes, no, Chris, really, I want to know. I, I, want, I really want to see. I really want to know it. I said, are you sure? Are you really sure? Yeah, I really am. So we sat there at Applebee's and for about 45 minutes, I took him through the scriptures from the Gospels through the book of Acts over into the New Testament. Took about 45 minutes. He just sat there attentively, open heart, teachable. And I got done and I went, well, there you go. What do you think? Listen to his response. Well, I see it. It's all there in the word. Now, if if he stopped there, man, we'd have victory, wouldn't we? He said, it's all there in the Word, comma, but. See, that's our problem, our big but. If it wasn't for our big but sometimes, and again, I'm not criticizing him, but he said, but that can't be right. And I just pushed my Bible to the side and I said, Pastor Jeff, listen to what you're saying. What, are you, what do you mean? And with the, the sincerest of eyes and heart, he said, Chris, that cannot be right. Because if it was right, my pastor would have told me so. Now there's a lesson. That's not wasted time, me telling you that story. What is he exalting? An authority, a man that stands... Is it right to have honor and regard and respect and confidence and trust in your pastor? Yeah, absolutely. But so much so that we just set the holy writ aside, the divine, and just set it and dismiss it? That can't be right because my pastor would have told me so? And there's just nothing more I could say to him. And we still have great fellowship. Now, you can't end that story there because it didn't end there. A few years later, he took a senior pastor to the church up in Ohio. But someone, I don't know how he got it, but he got a hold of a Smith Wigglesworth book. And a dead Wigglesworth was able to do what an alive Chris could not do. And he was filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Hallelujah. Amen. And as far as I know, his church followed him into that experience. (laughs) Way to go, Pastor Jeff, right? (laughs) 
What kept him? Right? Sincerity, right? But ignorance. And I tell you, the training we've had in our churches is so powerful, right? But if you don't go home and search the Scriptures for yourself, and you just take my word for it, I am doing my best just like his pastor was. But don't believe me because I said it. You've got to get in the word for yourself. And the word, a vital thing that the word is going to bring to your life is it's going to bring knowledge. Now, to rest your mind, we're not going on to point two today. Amen. So I am going to ask you to go to the scripture, but I want to rest, rest your heart. Though. Take heart. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Isaiah chapter five. I got Isaiah five. And 2 Peter 3, I want to share with you, and then we'll look for a place to land the airplane. Amen. Are you doing okay? Hallelujah. I wish I had like all afternoon every Sunday with you. And people complain about an almost two-hour service, and I'm like, it's two hours out of an entire week. It's not enough. It's not too much. It's not enough. (laughs) So anyway, but I, I know the buffet's calling. Praise the Lord. Isaiah, this is a pretty good buffet right here, really. And I tell you what, when I, one of the, I'm not bragging on me, God's ability in me, maybe the, maybe the greatest thing God's ever done for me is to help me have a higher regard for the word than any other voice. Amen. So I love my childhood pastor, a learned, deeply studied, well-traveled, experienced man of God. Who was filled with the Holy Spirit, but he couldn't tell anybody because he'd get fired. And sad. And hurt me. That fact hurt me when I found it out. In the natural, I understand the fear of not having a paycheck or whatever. But, uh, glory to God. I don't know where I was going with that, but anyway. No, thank you, Father. I was so, I had such a regard for the word that I knew I had a choice. He's, what he's not telling me is right, or what that is telling me is right. I have to choose. I can't flow with both. Right. He's telling me God will make people sick sometimes in a part of his plan we don't understand. The Bible never talks about that. He said tongues passed away. But the Bible never said it. He minimized the practice. Paul said, I wish that you would all talk in tongues. Yeah. It just Amen. didn't fly. It just didn't matter. So maybe the greatest thing God's ever done for me is that He gave me the courage and the ability to choose the Word over every other voice in my life. Mm-hmm. And you've got to get there if you're not there. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 5.13. Isaiah 5.13. Now, I know these are Old Testament scriptures that you may not get to. So if you're here, you have a chance. You turn to it. Mark it. Amen. Verse 13. Isaiah 5.13. Therefore, here's the phrase again. Who? My people. My people are gone into captivity. Why? Because they have no knowledge. Now, this is interesting. And they're honorable men. Now, I wrote my Bible. That means they're leaders. 
Their honorable men are famished. And the multitude cry up with thirst. See, you don't want to plant yourself and your family under a leader, a ministry leader, who doesn't have knowledge. It's like cursing your family. That's why you don't want to be, you don't want to let your fingers do the walking through the yellow pages to pick a church. Well, I like their nursery and I like, I don't only have to go through two stoplights to get to church. And he only preaches 20 minutes. You're going to make a big mistake thinking like that. You better stop. Well, I don't like the paint color. You better stop. Stop. What are they preaching? What are they not preaching? For the love of your children. Be led by the Spirit. He knows the Word. <laughs> Why were people gone into captivity? The lack of knowledge. It wasn't the will of God that they be in captivity to sickness. The Amplified says they were gone into captivity to their enemies. Poverty is an enemy. Depression is an enemy. Fear is an enemy. Defeat is an enemy. Oppression is an enemy. Sickness and disease is an enemy. Poverty is an enemy. Being confused is an enemy. Hallelujah. Did you see that? You don't want to sit under an honorable man, a leader who's famished. He doesn't have any word in him. Praise God. Notice because that honorable man was famished, the multitude, the congregation is dried up with thirst. God help me, the people who sit under my ministry... I want them to be well-fed and well-nourished. and Come on, up in, up in the Word. Hallelujah. All right, the last scripture, 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3. I hope I hadn't made you mad. You know, in, in church like this, you're either going to get mad, you're going to get glad, you're either going to get mad or you're going to grow up. Amen. Hallelujah. And I understand not everybody wants to grow up. The good news for those who don't want to grow up is there's lots of churches to choose from. I didn't mean that to be... I know how you're laughing and reacting. Like, I'm, I'm serious. If the, there are a lot of thumbsucker churches out there that will cater you and pet you and tell you how sweet you are and how everything's okay and we don't understand everything. Just pray a little harder. I, you know, whatever. I want you to live in victory. You listen not to me, but to the Word. You can avoid surgeries and car accidents and impoverishment and tragedies. I mean, you can't deny these scriptures are in here. Amen. All right, 2 Peter 3.16. And for time's sake, I'm going to go ahead and read this to you in the Amplified. Peter says, speaking of this as he, referring back to Paul, the apostle, in all of his letters, which is the Word of God, right? There are some things in those epistles of Paul, letters that are difficult to understand. Now notice this, which the ignorant and unstable, they twist and misconstrue to their own utter destruction. Just as they distort and misinterpret the rest of the scriptures. So Peter here is lamenting that there are people in the body of Christ who are unlearned. 
They're unlearned and they're unstable because they're unlearned. And he's not referring to lay people here. He's talking about people with influence in pulpits. If you go back and read the full context, they're ignorant and they're unstable and they are twisting the Scripture. You know, you could lift a Scripture, isolated Scripture out of its setting and make the Bible say anything you want it to say. I hadn't read that Scripture yet to you in this series, but Paul told Timothy, you've got to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. You know, people say, oh, it does say tongues passed away. I could show you. Where? Where? 1 Corinthians 13, they say. Oh, really? Well, I don't have time to take you there, but that's not what that scripture says. It says tongues shall pass away. It doesn't say tongues have passed away. Yeah, and they, it said they shall and they have. You're going to have to prove that. You're going to have to prove that. Because it also says prophecy will pass away. And Baptists tell me that prophecy means inspired preaching. And they're right. Has inspired preaching passed away? Sorry. Then it said in that same verse, knowledge shall pass away. Well, right now, sitting here in the double year, 2020, has knowledge passed away? So, okay, there's two out of three. Inspired preaching, prophecy, the prophetic word, that's not passed away. And knowledge is not passed away. But you want to lift tongues out of that and say it's passed away? See, flushed, you, did, you failed. Tongues have not. And that's the only scripture they have. They just don't like it because it would make them weird to their friends. And that's not an excuse to twist the scripture. I lost friends over tongues. I'll lose more friends over tongues. That's okay with me now. I'm settled with it now. I'm not going to walk the floor at night because I know what speaking to God in a divine heavenly language has done for me and multiplied millions of people on planet earth. The fastest growing segment of the body of Christ on the planet are tongue talking people. The only groups in Christianity that ever gave us Christian TV and, and satellite technology and all of that are tongue talking people. You don't have to have it to go to heaven. You don't have to have it to be a child of God. But it sure help you. Amen. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's just, I don't know, it's been a tongues day. Praise the Lord. I didn't intend it to be that one. But what happens to people who are influenced or they do it themselves? They're unlearned. They're unstable. They twist and they misconstrue the, construe the scriptures. What happens to them? Utterly, utter destruction. So in closing, you see that not knowing the word... Right? Causes ignorance that results in what? Causes the operation of God's blessings to stop in your life. You're cut off from what God would want to do because of ignorance. Number two, ignorance of God's word leads you into captivity. You're going to live captive to your enemies when you didn't have to be because you lack the knowledge of the word. And thirdly, we see that if we stay unlearned and unstable in the word... We're going to get utterly destroyed in life. So we're closing. Thank The Word of God is going to bring something precious to your life. Precious to your life. Vital to your life. And it's knowledge. Knowledge. Everyone say knowledge. Knowledge. Come on, knowledge. And we're not talking about 
you know, Britannica type knowledge. We're talking about divine truth, eternal truth, knowledge, knowledge that'll heal your body. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Knowledge that will save your soul. Amen. Knowledge is a big deal. Amen. Stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God.